Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Logue. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Logue is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. All right, you can grab a Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and in case you use one of our pew Bibles, it'll be on page 982. Last week we began looking at Paul's final instructions in this letter to the church in Philippi as he called them to have a consistent joy and a gentleness or reasonableness in their lives. And now as we finish his final instructions in this letter this morning, we're going to see how he calls us to handle anxiety and to pursue peace in our lives. And so we're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to pick up beginning in verse 6. He writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we pick back up here in verse 6, Paul calls the Philippians to resist being anxious in their lives. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, the word anxious can be used in a couple of different ways. Uh, you might say it at some point that you're anxious to go to the football game, in which case you mean that you are really excited about it and you are looking forward to it. But more commonly, especially when we're talking about the feeling of anxiety, uh, anxious means that we are overwhelmingly concerned about something. We are worried about a person or a situation to the point where we're preoccupied with it. Uh, we're unable to focus on anything else besides that. And that's the sense that we are talking about here. Right? When we experience anxiety, it just kind of looms over our lives, uh, like a cloud or a shadow that, that affects every area. But here, Paul calls us to resist it. Now, you may ask, just like last week, does Paul really expect us to be able to do this? I mean, can, can we really be free from anxiety in the midst of a pandemic? When hurricanes are coming at us, when, when there's chaos going in all over the world, when we have bills to pay and relationships that are strained and health issues and who knows what else going on. Well, just like last week, I believe he really does expect this to be a reality in our lives. And, and just as we should always have joy, we should also always be free from anxiety. And just like last week, as we talked about with joy, I think the key is for us to understand what Paul is not saying and then to understand what he is saying. And so first of all, Paul is not saying that we should not have legitimate concerns in our life. All right, if you wake up one morning to find that a thief came in in the night and stole everything that you own, Paul does not expect you to say, ah, well, you know, that's life. If, if you turn on the weather report to see a Category 5 hurricane coming directly at you, Paul does not expect us to respond by saying, ah, isn't life exhilarating? 
No, these are, these are difficult, challenging circumstances, right? And God created us with the ability to experience legitimate concern. That's one of the things that motivates us to take appropriate action in response to danger. Is that the problem is when legitimate concern turns into anxiety, a worry that becomes all-consuming or even debilitating. And Paul is saying that we should fight against that. Our lives should not be characterized by consistent anxiety. Now, you might think, well, that's easy enough to say, but there are so many problems in our lives and in the world that invite us to worry. So what's the game plan here? How can we practically fight against anxiety in our lives? Well, in the second half of verse 6, Paul tells the Philippians that the alternative to being anxious about anything is to, in everything, let our requests be made known to God. In other words, we take our problems and our difficulties to the Lord, and we entrust them to His care. Now, Paul says that we are to do this by prayer, which is the, the general common word that the Bible use for us, uses for us communicating with God, and also by supplication, which refers more specifically to an urgent request for God to meet a particular need. And when Paul says, in everything, that's all-encompassing, right? That, that covers every area of our lives. And so that means that there is nothing that is too big or too small for us to take to the Lord in prayer. And if it's significant enough to cause worry and anxiety, then it qualifies for us to pray about. And so we see that anxiety is battled through prayer. And by that, Paul means intentional, unrushed time with the Lord. Right, we're not just talking about a, a quick 30-second prayer for God to bless the day as we walk out the door in the morning, or, or praying and giving thanks for our food right before our meal. Right, Paul is talking about unrushed, intentional time spent, out, uh, spent pouring out our hearts to God and asking Him to intervene. Right? Prayer and supplication are to be our response to stress instead of worrying. And don't miss the fact that Paul says that the prayers of the Philippians are also to be offered along with thanksgiving. And of course, we've talked before about Paul's command to give thanks in all circumstances, and we've seen that we can do that. For one, because we know that God uses our suffering and our trials to grow and develop us spiritually. Two, because we know that God is at work in all circumstances for our ultimate good. And three, because when times are hard, we can know that things won't always be like this. We look forward to the day when Jesus comes back and makes all things right again. And the difficulties of this life are only temporary, but even beyond that, even in the most difficult circumstances, the reality is that we are surrounded by blessings, and we should always be thankful for those. And I think this is important because as we stop in the midst of difficulty and we remember all of the ways that God has provided for us in the past, it fuels our faith for the present and even for the future. And so as we pray, we should include thanksgiving. And then moving into verse 7, Paul gives us a tremendous promise that accompanies us making our requests known to God. And that is that we will receive the peace of God in response. 
He says, the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now again, let's be clear on what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying that that we shouldn't worry about anything because in everything, as we make our requests known to God, God's going to give us exactly what we want, the way that we want it, when we want it. The reality is that in his providence, God sometimes doesn't give us what we want. Sometimes he gives us what we don't want. And as we've seen before, sometimes unanswered prayers turn out to be a source of great blessing. But sometimes they lead us into seasons of hardship. But in the midst of that reality, Paul promises that we will have the peace of God no matter what. Now, as we've said before, peace doesn't necessarily mean an absence of difficulty or of conflict. It refers to a settled state of well-being that, like joy, as we saw last week, is not dependent on our circumstances. And so we can be sad or angry or confused and still have an abiding sense of peace. And on the other hand, we can feel on top of the world at a given moment and yet not have peace. So peace is a settled state of well-being that is not dependent on our circumstances. Peace is an assurance that even when things are not okay, I'm going to be okay in the big picture. And when Paul says that the peace God gives surpasses all understanding, he means that this peace is supernatural. It is not something that we can explain. It is not something that people who are on the outside looking in can understand. It's something that you just have to experience. And Paul says that we will experience it when we make our requests known to God. We see that when we give our anxieties to the Lord, he gives us his peace in exchange. And this peace will protect, it will guard our hearts and minds. One final thing in this section before we move on is that it's important that we notice that last phrase in verse 7, where Paul states that the guarding of our hearts and minds happens in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And just as, again, we said about joy last week, the peace that God gives is only available to those who place their trust in Christ. Apart from Jesus, we have no peace. And we have every reason to be worried, because by nature, our sin separates us from God. And it makes us worthy of receiving his judgment. But the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus died on the cross— He took the punishment that we deserve for our sin for us so that we can be forgiven by trusting in him. And he has made peace available for for all who will respond to the gospel in faith. And because he has done that, because Jesus has taken care of the greatest problem we could ever face, which is God's judgment for our sin, we can be confident that he will take care of all of the other problems that we face in this life as well. As Paul wrote in chapter 8 of his letter to the Romans, He who did not spare his only Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then moving on to verse 8, Paul gives us additional instruction about dealing with anxiety. So we'll pick up again in verse 8. He writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so closing out these final instructions, Paul gives us a list of virtues. And he calls us to think about things that are characterized by them in an an ongoing meditative way. Now this list isn't necessarily meant to be dissected in the sense of us trying to determine what true means and what honorable means as much as it's making a comprehensive uh, point about what we fill our minds with. See, what we fill our minds with, what we think about and meditate on, affects us in our battle against anxiety. See, each of these virtues listed here describe God's original design for the world. They also describe His Word, what we find in His Word. And so Paul is saying that we should fill our minds with things that are in line with God's design and with the Scriptures as we battle against anxiety. The truth is that what you fill your mind with influences your thoughts. And we already know this because you've probably watched a scary movie at some point in time. And then every time the rest of the evening you hear a strange noise, you start to freak out. Because what you've filled your mind with begins to affect the way you perceive the world. And that's true in our spiritual lives as well. Paul calls us to think about, to set our minds on, to fill our minds with things that are in line with God's design and that are in line with His Word. Uh, It's challenging to be specific here because what helps me may or may not help you. And what helps you may or may not help the person sitting next to you. But the main point is for us to be intentional about what we allow to influence us. What messages do you consistently allow into your mind? There there are so many influences in our world that are the exact opposite of the virtues given in this list. And exposing ourselves to them repeatedly will cause anxiety. And so for me personally, I, I don't watch the news today nearly as much as I used to. Most likely, the the, the news reports today have have become 30-minute to hour-long segments of anything and everything that is going wrong in the world. And because I don't have the ability to do anything to fix the problems, all these things that are not true or honorable or pure or lovely, it makes me worked up. I get anxious about everything that's going wrong that I can't do anything about. And so while I do want to be informed, I don't want to be immersed in that world. I don't want to fill my mind with these things. It just doesn't serve me well spiritually. And perhaps the same thing is true for you. Or it could come down to the TV shows that you watch, or the music that you listen to, or perhaps engaging on social media, or it could be any number of things. The point is for us to not make things more difficult than they already are. We should not fill our minds with things that that provoke us to anxiety. We should fill our minds with things that are in accord with God's design and His Word, things that facilitate peace in our minds and hearts. And certainly that includes meditating on God's Word. 
right? Spending time with the scriptures, allowing them to reorient our minds is the most important thing we can do in this regard. The reality is that if we spend more time engaging in things that provoke anxiety than we do spending in prayer and studying God's word, then we shouldn't be surprised if we struggle to have peace in our lives. We have to make things less difficult than they already are. And finally, as Paul closes this section in verse 9, he reminds the Philippians to put into practice the things he has taught them, to follow the example that he has given them. Everything that he has said in this letter about living our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, they need to apply those things and live them out day to day. And as they do that, he assures them that God, the God of peace, will be with them, providing for them and accomplishing his work in their lives, both as individuals and as a church. And so just as we saw last week in verse 5, the Lord is at hand. And that that goes with what we talked about last week, but I think it also hinges, and it goes with what we uh, see this morning. The Lord is near. He He is able and he is willing to provide for the needs of his people And his second coming to make all things right and to establish his kingdom forever is imminent. And because of that, we don't need to be anxious about anything. And so whether it's the peace of God or the God of peace, Paul says that we have all we need to live free from constant worry. So in our passage this morning, Paul finishes his final instructions to the Philippians and to us by extension— by calling us to resist anxiety through prayer and by setting our our minds on things that are in accordance with God's design and his word. And as he does that, he echoes what Jesus himself taught in his own life and ministry. So you may recall that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And so Jesus taught us that we should not be anxious, number one, because it doesn't accomplish anything anyway. Nobody's ever changed the future because they worried about it. And then secondly, because our Father already knows what we need, and he's going to provide it for us. I know that as a a dad, my kids ask me for stuff all the time. And, And sometimes I give them what they want. Sometimes I don't give them what they want. Sometimes I give them something they don't want. But in all of these things, I do what I do because I love them and because I'm committed to their well-being. 
Of course, they may gripe and complain when I don't meet their expectations. But I pray and I believe that deep down, they know that I love them. And they know that I would never do anything to harm them. Church, the good news is that God is a much, much better father than I could ever be. And we can rest in his love, even when he leads us into difficult seasons of life. He is with us, and he is providing for us. Now, I was reminded of this just a few moments ago as we sang how firm a foundation. And that last line, I just love it. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I will not I will not, I will not forsake. No matter what we go through, the Lord is with his people. And so just as the Apostle Peter wrote in his first letter, as we go through the ups and downs of this life, we can cast all of our anxiety on the Lord because he cares for us. And we can experience peace because of him. May that be true for us this morning. Let's pray together.